So as we close out our series, we've been talking about uh, these different types of love. We've been talking about how to agape someone. Agape. We've uh, stressed the importance of resolving to love. Making a concise decision to love. Last week, we talked about this idea of consistent love. Being consistent and how important it is that we are consistent in our love just like God is consistent in loving us. We said that it should be our goal to make a definite, earnest, and determined decision to show a love that is focused on others, to demonstrate that love through action and for it to persist regardless of circumstances, situations, or surroundings. This is resolving to love. This is consistent love. Tonight, I want to end our series rounding out this definition. Tonight, I want to close speaking about sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. I always like to start with the definition because I want to make sure everybody's on the same page when we talk about what is sacrifice. Sacrifice is an act of denying yourself. Giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Denying yourself, giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as important or worthy. Oftentimes when we think about love, we think about the feeling of love. We think about the joyous things surrounding love. We think about our families. We think about loved ones. We think about it being enduring. We think about the lovely parts of love. Denying yourself isn't exactly lovely. People don't typically wake up in the morning and say, man, I can't wait to deny myself today. <laughs> but in order to experience lordship and the provision of Christ on earth, we must be willing to say no to ourselves. Sacrificial love is at the very heart of God. But for us... Unfortunately, it's rare that at the forefront of our mind, the idea of love requires, demands. It's, it's rare that we understand that it requires. We understand that it demands and that, that it's shown in its fullness in sacrifice. It's shown in its fullness in sacrifice. I think about the process of childbirth. I have two boys. And I think about a mother literally sacrificing herself, sacrificing her body, sacrificing her habits, her comfort, her life for nine months for the sake and for the betterment of something that she loves. All the mothers say amen. Sacrifice. 
Jesus explains this as he's talking to the disciples in John. If you would turn with me to John chapter uh, 15, or scroll with me if you have your phone. John chapter 15, and I will start at verse 9. John chapter 15, verse 9. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. Yours might read a little different, but it says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your heart. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will live in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. Verse 11 says, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. We meet back up as we have in the past three weeks at verse 12. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. Verse 13, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. He says it's shown to its fullness. It's, it's, it's greatly seen when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's, he's encouraging them to love. He's informing them about love. And then he tells them the greatest example of love is a love that sacrifices all. When we think of loving one another, is sacrifice a part of our example? When we think about loving one another, is sacrifice a part of our definition. If it is not, then I would challenge you to reevaluate your definition. We must reevaluate our definition of true love because true agape requires and demands sacrifice. Jesus says, This is my commandment, not my option, not my. My, if you feel like it, nah, if you want to, he says, this is my command. Paul points out in Romans that not just our love should be sacrificial, but Paul says our entire life as believers should be sacrificial. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. The New King James Version says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies. What does that mean? Dedicating all of yourselves, setting it apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical an intelligent act of worship. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. In view of the love that God has, showing, has shown you, 
as a result of the love that you have received, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. See, what that means is that means complete and total surrender. Not partial, complete. Um, It's the difference between what a chicken uh, and a pig bring to a bacon and egg breakfast. See, the chicken makes a contribution, but the pig gave everything. And what we try to do is we often try to give God an egg here or an egg there, but God wants sacrifice, the ham and the bacon. He says, I want you to be a living sacrifice, complete and total surrender. And then Paul says that only total surrender can be called true worship. God is looking for sacrifice. He's looking for total surrendering to him. Sacrifice. In any successful relationship, there is sacrifice. A great marriage is two people who are really good at forgiving and really good at sacrificing. All the married people say amen. Amen. No, you may not like that they always put the toilet paper on the wrong way, but you're willing to make a... Wives, you may have no interest in spending the next four hours watching sports yet again week after week, but you're willing to make a sacrifice. Husbands, I'm not going to leave you out. When you get home from work, you may not want to spend the next 45 minutes or an hour hearing what Tracy from the job did this time, but you're willing to do what? Sacrifice. Hmm. Husbands don't get in trouble. I'm not saying it's pretty. I'm just saying it's sacrifice. And Jesus says that if we want to be true followers of Christ, we must embrace a life of sacrifice. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to start in verse 24. And I love it because uh, in the passing translation, there's a header right before, and it says, discipleship is costly. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples... If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will forfeit what you try to keep. For even if you were to gain all the wealth and all the power of this world at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable to you than your soul? 
See, uh, in Matthew, in verse 22 to 23, Jesus had just uh, responded to Peter telling him that not he should not go to the cross. Not to give up his will for the sake of the word of God. And Jesus responded to Peter by rebuking him and saying, you are setting your mind on the things of the world and not the things of God. And then he immediately goes from that and begins to speaking to all the disciples. And he says, if you truly want to follow me, if you truly want to be a Christian, if you truly want to be a follower of the way, if you truly want to call yourself a follower, you must sacrifice your life. Now, did he mean go to the cross? Not entirely. And when we're talking about sacrifice, in case you've never been in the church before, we're not saying that, you know, we're not going to ask you to come up here and cut your arms open or nothing like that. It's cool. We don't do that here. It's not that kind of limitless. We, we don't do that. But what he was saying he was saying, he said, we must give up our way of thinking, our way of doing, our way of living. We must be willing to give that up and surrender to his way of thinking, his way of doing, his way of living, and if need be, dying. And he says, if you choose to do so, then you will discover true life. Pastor, what, 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 what do you mean? When we do things our way, our way is anti his way. Because we live in this flesh and we have this flesh body and our flesh, the Bible says our, our, our flesh and our spirit are at war with one another. And it talks about how they're at, at constantly going. So when we do what we want to do, we're not doing what God wants to do. And so we've said that we are going to surrender and we're going to do what we want to do. And he says, no, you have to give that up. Sacrifice that. Let that go. Release that and submit yourself. Yield yourself. Sacrifice yourself to my way of thinking. My way of doing. My way of living. And so when someone asks you, hey, uh, uh, why, why, don't you, why don't you drink? Why you don't get drunk? Why, why you don't curse people out? Why don't you, why, why don't you smoke? Why, you, why don't you go to the club? Why, why don't you get back at people and talk crazy to them like they be talking crazy to you? Is it because you don't want to? And you say, no, 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 no. It's not because I don't want to. It's not because that's not in me. It's not because that's not a feeling that I've had, but I've chosen to deny that feeling. I've chosen to sacrifice myself. I've chosen to live a life not of what I want to do and how I feel and what I choose, but what God wants me to do. I've chosen to live a life of sacrifice. That's why. I've chosen to live a life of sacrifice. And the next comment people say, you know, they would say is, oh, it's not that serious. It's not that deep. And some of you sitting here may have your doubts. And you say, uh, uh, I hear what you're saying, but I don't really think it takes all that. And, 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 and okay, uh, but Paul addressed this here in Corinthians. He's talking to the Corinthians and he, he's talking to them and they write him a letter and he's responding to the letter because there were some people there who were getting their grub on. They were eating. 
And back then there were food that you should eat, food that you shouldn't eat, and there were foods that were sacrificed to other gods. And they was like, bro, I'm hungry. I'm I'm eat. And so they write this letter to Paul, and they're like, Paul, they're eating the food. Well, what do we do? And Paul addresses this, and he says, what, what should we do? And he says, um, I'm going to read this verse 1. It's a little long, but stay with me. He said, now, food, now concerning food offered to idols. We know that all of us possess knowledge, and this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he's known by God. Therefore, as, as, as it pertains to eating food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. And there is no God but one. For although there, you know, there might be other gods and so-called gods in existence, and that there is no God but one, but uh, uh, verse 5 uh, for although there be other so-called gods in heaven or in earth, as indeed there are many little g gods and many lowercase l lords, yet for us there is one, the Father from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus, whom we're all things and through whom we exist. Verse 7, however, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through their former association with idols, eat food as offered to idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. He says, food will not commend us to God. We're no worse off if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Verse 9, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For verse 10, if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat that food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother from whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it's weak, you sin against Christ. Verse 13, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble... I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. He's talking about food. He's talking about something that would seem uh, uh, meaningless, something that would seem small, something that we wouldn't take uh, as serious. But he says, if it means my brother will stumble, he said, then I will never eat meat. What are you saying? How to, how to, he's saying, I am willing to make whatever sacrifice is necessary because I love my brother. He's saying the love that I have for whoever it might be, I am willing to make a sacrifice as a result of my love because it matters that much. Wait, so, so, so you, you know, what, what about the freedoms that I take because I believe that I should be able, and he says, no, 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 no. It's not about you. It's not about your freedoms. Yeah, some people have the knowledge as to whether it's right or wrong. And, and he says some people take pride in that knowledge and that knowledge is puffed up. But he said, that, that is, that's, don't worry about that. That shouldn't be your main focus. Your main focus should be the love that you have. When we do the things that we do, we're sacrificing our emotions, we're sacrificing how we feel, we're sacrificing the freedoms that we think that we have. Why? Because we are called to show a higher level of love. 
We're called to show a higher level of love. It is that serious. Our love for others should be that serious. Our actions have to be based on our love, and our love needs to be sacrificial. Paul says, I'm willing to sacrifice something as small as eating food just so that my brother doesn't stumble. And what he was showing was that a life totally surrendered by God says at all cost, we surrender it all so that one might come to know the love of Jesus Christ. We might have to sacrifice our time. We might have to sacrifice our comfort. We, we might have to sacrifice our, our freedoms. Maybe it gets to a point to where we have to sacrifice our lives. But that's what love does. That is the type of love that we've been called to show. A love that is willing to sacrifice. We sacrifice in our relationships. We sacrifice in marriage. We sacrifice in these things. God said, I've called you to sacrifice. So, yes, you may want to do this. And you may want to do that. But where does that measure up in your love for others? Where does that measure up? There's a picture that was circulating on the Internet I wanted to show this picture to you guys. An 80-year-old man shows up to fight in the Ukrainian army. He's carrying with him a small bag, two T-shirts, a pair of pants, toothbrush, and some sandwiches. 80 years old, he shows up to fight. And they ask him, why, at your age, why are you here? And he says, I'm doing this for my grandkids. He's laying down his life so that his grandchildren would remain free. This is sacrifice. This is sacrifice. Literally giving up his life for his grandkids. God has called us to live our lives as such. God has resolved to love us with a love that is irregardless of circumstances, Irregardless of situations or surroundings, even to the point that similar to this story at the crossroad of losing that love, he sent his only son to be the sacrifice for our sins so that his love would once again be immersed to us, would once again be shown to us in its full form. He said, I'm sending my son because I see my 
my sons, I see my daughters, I, I see them and I know the plan that I have and I know what, what I desire for them and for their life. So I'm going to send my son. And, and as Jesus is there going up to the cross, I, I imagine that he's there and he's thinking about each and every one of us. And as he's in this moment, as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's, he's there, and he's like, Jesus, uh, I just, I just want to check back with you, Lord, and just see, you know, if this cup could be removed from me. And then he has a moment. And he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, let your will be done. Nevertheless, let your will be done, a life of sacrifice. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is what are we going to do with the love that has been given to us? What are we going to do with our lives to show that we appreciate the gift of love that has been given to us? We dare not make the sacrifice that God made by giving his son be in vain. And so he calls us. He commands us. Paul says, I beseech you, I beg of you to live your life in a manner that honors that sacrifice. Sacrifice that was made for us. By choosing to love, by resolving to love, by choosing to love, irregardless of people's circumstances, whether they're up or they're down, and to love sacrificially. This is a love that he has called us to do. And you ask the question, as is our sermon title, what's love got to do with it? The answer is everything. Everything. The person that you walk past, your coworker, your, your family member, your husband, your wife, your, your kids, your grandkids. Love. Love as I have loved you. What about when I don't feel like it? Love. What about when I've been offended after I've showed love time and time again? Yeah. Love. What about when, when I've been hurt and, and, and I'm in this situation and I don't understand why it's happening? What should I do? He says, love. There is no way around it. There is no way to skip it or bypass it. The only way over is through. It is our love that will change this world. It is our consistently loving. It is our decision that says no matter what, I'm going to love you. It's loving the unlovable that will change this world. I had a conversation this week with a gentleman, and he said, 
he walks in and he sees me and we begin to have a conversation and he, he talks about his experience at church. And he said, I went to this church and I used to go to this church and, and, and he says it was a, when I was younger, but I, but I went and, and I used to play basketball. I used to live across the street and, and I was really good at playing basketball. And this church had this basketball team, and, and they didn't win, but, but as soon as I got there, I, I began to play, and they began to like me, and they began to win. And I would see from them, I would hear from them, and, and I would always be around, and they would love me being around. But then I tore my ACL. And he said, once I stopped playing, I never heard from them again. And I had a family member that passed. Even though I lived across the street, I never saw them. I never heard from them. I had some hard times. I fell on some hard times in life, and I never heard from them. And he says, now I'm grown, married, have kids. I'm not really into church anymore. It is our example that will shape the lives of others. Limitless Church, we are called to take the limits off of the way that people see Jesus, off of the way that people see the church, off of the way that people see faith. And we do that through our love. That says no matter what, I'm going to love you, whether you're beneficial to me or not. A love that says, you know what, in the ugly moments, in the, in the good moments, in the great moments, and in those moments when it's not so great, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you when it's inconvenient to me, when I'm sleeping, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm still going to love you. Yeah. And it is that love that will cause people to say, I want to know the God you serve. I don't know what I was going to before, but I want to go to the church you was going to. I want to know this love because this love changed your life. And I want that love to change my life. We have been called, we have been admonished, and we've been commanded to love. Let's not make God's sacrifice be in vain. Let's love one another. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word.